Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamat Sandu from Toronto in Canada, and the 2022 fight season starts now. We have UFC Fight Night coming to us from Las Vegas this weekend. Calvin Cater in the main event in an absolute banger with Jiga Chikadze. We will talk about that a little bit later on in the show. I know we've got Fight Night coming up this weekend, Sandu, but this is really where the UFC kickstarts their year. They've been yeah. dropping big name matchups pretty much since just before Christmas. Let's take stock. Let's see what we're dealing with. I mean, we've got so many big fights on the horizon. I can't wait for it all to get started. Yeah, we certainly do. And I think business has picked up for you and me because, we're, you know, the UFC's back this weekend and it's only a matter of time before every other promotion is back producing events and putting on amazing events around the world. But yeah, like you said, you know, the UFC is really kicking things off this weekend. Outside of that, though, they have announced a plethora of major title fights. We already have Nganu versus Gan for the UFC Heavyweight Championship coming up a little bit later on this month at UFC 270. The co-headliner uh, for that event is Moreno. That's Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo, the trilogy fight. It's the third time they'll be competing. Then we roll right into February, UFC 271. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker too. That is a mouth-watering prospect. Now, as we're talking about title fights, they had announced two for March, which were going to be the co-headliners for UFC 272. The first one was Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3. And the second one was Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan 2. Unfortunately, though, Simon, Holloway literally what? A day or two after the bout was reported and announced, had to pull out due to injury. And as of recording this podcast right now, Alexander Volkanovsky is without an opponent. However, there are plenty of guys lining up, snapping at the bit, putting out social media posts to try and get that opportunity. And it seems as though from Volk's position, Korean zombie Chan Sung Young is the, the current front runner. So, first of all, what do you think of all the the title fights we've got we've got coming up? What are your you know your favorites, the ones you, you know you're most looking forward to, and what do you think about that current situation at featherweight in terms of Volkanovski, hopefully getting a new opponent? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big football fan as are you, and nothing beats the start of the football season where you're given the fixture list for the season ahead. You can pick your dates, you know who you're going to be playing on. Boxing Day, you know, who you're going to be playing on your birthday weekend and all that sort of stuff. You can work all these things out in advance and you get to see when all the, the really big matchups are. This is almost like the MMA equivalent. We don't get a full year's worth of, of bout announcements. Obviously, it's a very movable feast and things can move and change. As we just mentioned there with the, with the Volkanovski Max Holloway fight that's fallen through. The fight I'm most intrigued to see is the heavyweight title fight. I think that's the one that really, really sort of uh, gets me excited for the start of the year. It's the one that's going to really kickstart the year as well. The most destructive knockout artist, arguably in UFC history, in Francis Ngannou, against one of the most technical heavyweights, arguably, that, that we've seen inside the Octagon, in Cyril Gunn. But we've also got the backstory, former training partners at the MMA factory in Paris. There's a little bit of needle still between Ngannou and Cyril Gunn's team, even if that needle hasn't necessarily gone between the pair of them as individuals. There's certainly stuff going on, and even their coaches are going at it on social media now. 
uh, Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture and Fernand Lopez are having a bit of a conversation, a bit of a contretemps on social media over uh, leaked footage and sparring footage being used to promote fights and things like that. So there's clearly a bit of need. I love fights that have got a backstory. I love fights with a bit of edge to it. But when the cage door closes, you've got an amazing heavyweight fight. Clash of styles. Really looking forward to that. As for the featherweight title picture, well, this is so tricky because this is a trilogy fight between the two guys who I think, I think we spoke about it on a previous episode of the show. These are the two best 145 pounders on the planet. Max Holloway and, of course, the champion Alexander Volkanovsky. And anybody other than Max in that title fight is a bit of a come down. With all due respect to the other challenges there, they're all world class, but they're not in Max's class, in my opinion. So it is a bit of a come down. It's a shame. I hope for Volkanovsky's sake that he still gets to fight on that card. Um, he has to come over to Vegas and all, all of the upheaval that's required to do that. You just have to talk to Dan Hooker about that. He knows all too well. He's experienced it multiple times. Volkanovski will be wanting to still be on this card. And the Korean Zombies down to fight. That would be an outstanding matchup. I think it makes a lot of sense. I do like the Henry Cejudo call out, though. I must be honest. Um, I'd love to see Henry Cejudo back in the sport. He walked away in his prime still, I thought. And at the time, I thought, good for you. You know, you haven't held on too long. You're walking away on your terms. But clearly the man wants back in. He's been making lots of noise over the last six months or so. It's a big ask to come straight back in, fight up a weight class or arguably up two weight classes. If you think his, his best weight class is probably flyweight. For him to be fighting the featherweight champion in his first fight back after a couple of years or three years away, that's a big ask. So, But I'd love to see Henry back in the UFC. So... I wouldn't hate on that matchup if it was made, but it does look like all things are trending towards it being the Korean zombie. And regardless of who wins that fight, that's then a compelling matchup for Max Holloway to step into when he gets back 100% and he's good to go again because the Korean zombie matchup will be outstanding. Um, but there's the trilogy fight. So however that one works out, I think the zombie fight makes a lot of sense. Assuming that they can get, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and travel and all the rest of it. I'm more than happy with that. They might change the order up potentially and maybe make that co-main and put Jan Sterling at the top of the bill. It's champion versus champion now, isn't it? With, with Jan being the interim champ. So, but yeah, I'd love to see Volkanovski still on that card. And uh, the Korean zombie to me looks like the best available option, to be honest. Yeah. And it, and if he gets the opportunity, it won't be his first one. Obviously, you know, he did get an opportunity to fight for the title way back in the day against Jose Aldo. And that was a fantastic fight. And it feels like that was a lifetime ago, just given how long he was you know, doing his military service, came back to the sport. And look, at the end of the day, Chan Sung Jung, he's a fan favorite. He's a, a marquee featherweight. He's, you know, he's a 10 year fighter. He's been with the UFC a very, very long time. And in many ways, even though this perhaps doesn't have uh, the, the selling appeal or the selling value that perhaps another bout with Max Holloway does, in many respects, Simon, I feel like this is almost, you know, in the long term, maybe a good thing for Volkanovsky and for Holloway as well. I think there were still a few people that, you know, said, well, we've already seen this fight so many times. Why are we, what, you know, getting Volkanovsky versus Holloway again? And in, and in this situation, if Volkanovsky gets to fight Korean Zombie, puts on another great performance and, and gets that win, he's putting a little bit more distance between the last time he fought Max Holloway. 
So if he can get through this bout and then perhaps fight Max Holloway later on in the year, you know, I think there's there's a, a bit more distance that kind of helps whet the appetite to see these guys compete one more time. And also from Max Holloway's point of view, Simon, you know, he probably knows that this is his last chance at fighting for the featherweight champion, especially as long as Volkanovski is going to be the uh, the champion at featherweight. And for him, why would he want to compete if he's anything less than 100%? Given he's already you know fought him a few times, he knows that he's going to be pushed to his absolute limit. I think for everyone concerned, it's probably the best situation. Obviously, don't want to see Max Holloway or anyone get injured. But just given all the information that we have at the moment, I think it's uh, the best thing for the long term for everybody involved. Yeah, and as I say, with, with Max being the clear number two in the division behind Volkanovski, whoever wins that title fight, he's in prime position to then step in and, and, and fight for the belt next. I mean, we seem to be in this, it's almost autopilot setting now when whenever a champion loses his belt, he gets an immediate rematch. I think we need to walk away from that a little bit. Um, I think, I know Volkanovski is kind of a long-standing champion at this point, but I do think that it slows divisions down. And unless that first fight was an absolute barn burner, back and forth, both fighters having successes during the matchup, I don't think an immediate rematch should be called for. I think let them have another fight. And then if they're still there and the previous champion is, has, has, has won another one and got himself back in, then put them back in. And I think that then helps with turnover. It helps keep the division fresh. It means you don't have this stagnation at the top of the division and uh, the best will always end up with the belt at the end of the day anyway. And that's why Volkanovski is up there right now. So, but I do hope that if, if it did happen and the Korean zombie fights him and beats him, I'd actually wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too sad if it meant that Volkanovski took a step back, fought for a title shot. Max then steps in fights, uh, fights for the belt, fresh matchup for the title reinvigorates the division. Volkanovski, being as good as he is, will likely win his contender fight. He'll be back in there again, but this time as a challenger. And I think it just, it changes up the dynamic in the division and it makes it a lot more fun. So the featherweight division is so talented and we're going to see these contenders gradually close the gap to what I would call the top two. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in 2022, the 145 pound division for sure. But the one fight we didn't talk about there was the flyweight fight, Brandon Moreno and, and Davison Figueredo. What what a matchup between these two. We've seen them twice already. Both fights were outstanding. I can't see anything other than a barn burner this time around. Sometimes the little guys get a little bit overlooked. I almost feel a little bit guilty in doing that on this very show today because I went straight for the heavyweight title fight. But Moreno versus Figueredo will be an absolute belter. And we could well be talking about that as an early contender for fight of the year coming away from that event because it was so good first time around. They know each other even better this time. And uh, I, I just think both guys will be really going for it. Moreno will be even more confident than he was in, in, in the last fight when he won the title. Figueredo will be coming in with a point to prove. It's going to be fireworks. I'm looking forward to that one as well. And also, it just occurred to me, Simon, you know, looking at all of these title fights coming up over the next couple of months, I think one of the biggest themes across the vast majority of them is Last Chance Saloon. I mean, if you're looking at the Moreno versus Figueredo fight, if Figueredo loses, Simon, that's it. He's not getting any more title opportunities at flyweight, especially with Moreno as a champion. And we've already seen that you know, Figueredo seems like he cuts a lot of weight to make 125 pounds. So... If he doesn't 
perform and get the victory and become champion, I think Bantamweight will be in his 2022 future. And then talking about Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker too. Whittaker's done the hard work. He's gone away and fought perennial top contenders and earned, legitimately earned, a rematch against Adesanya. But 185 pounds, Israel's looked so good and better every time he competes at, at middleweight that if Whittaker can't win here, Simon, then what does he do? Does he start thinking about perhaps competing at 205 or god forbid try and figure out a way to make you know welterweight healthy again last chance saloon situation there and then finally the bantamweight title sterling versus yarn two now the thing here is simon just given the circumstances of how sterling became champion i feel as though if peter yarn wins it's not going to be one of those situations where sterling and the UFC would even want to promote it as one and one. Let's do a trilogy. You know what I mean? I feel like the UFC will then take Jan down a path where he'll fight other contenders at 135 pounds. So massive stakes for Sterling. And the other thing I wanted to mention, and you brought him up earlier on, Simon, is that is Henry Cejudo. I also loved that call out. The second Holloway you know, announced that he was injured or reports came out that he wasn't going to be able to compete against Volkanovski. Henry Cejudo was in there he had a a drafted ready to drop photoshop of him fighting volkanovsky and to be fair to him you know this time around and, and although he's teased it a few times this time around there genuinely seemed to be some fan support of wanting to see him come back and compete and try and become the first ever three-weight champion in the ufc the unfortunate thing for him though simon is he left on such bad terms with the UFC, he he almost blindsided them that he hasn't really curried that favor. Where the UFC will be like, "Yep, we'll, we'll we'll welcome you back with open arms," because you know, if I'm the UFC, Henry Cejudo comes in, he he becomes three weight champion. What if he dosses off again? What if he's like, "Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm become three weight champion. I've made history. See you guys later. I'm now going to leverage that into other opportunities away from the UFC." The UFC need to always think about how they can you know keep the champions long term keep booking fights place them on pay-per-views and with henry Cejudo, there's so many question marks i feel like behind the scenes there's a little bit of work that henry needs to do him and his manager ali abdul aziz with the ufc to kind of mend things and and figure out a way because if he can't then unfortunately he can put all the social media posts out there and get the fan support anytime there's an opportunity for him to fight Alexander Volkanovsky, but it feels like the UFC um, are not willing to play ball with him at the moment. Yeah, I mean, if I could pick a fight for Henry Cejudo, the PDM fight would be the one. I mean, that that to me is absolute dynamite and I think would make for the most incredible stylistic matchup. But I would like to see Henry get a couple of fights in first before he goes straight. Obviously, he'll want to jump straight back in, make an impact on his return, go for a belt straight away. But He's still got loads in the tank. If he wants to come back and go for another two, three, four years, he's more than capable of doing it. So I don't think there's any need for him to rush straight into a title fight straight away. But if they want to put him in one, then I'm in. I'm absolutely in. I just want to see Triple C back in the cage again. I think he's he's good for the sport. I remember early on when, what event was it? UFC 197 it was, I think. I went over to Vegas to cover it. John Jones was the main event against Ovin St. Prue. And the co-main event was Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson against Henry Cejudo. That was Cejudo's first attempt at winning a UFC title. 
And this was before the whole triple C thing became a thing. And Henry was just the most earnest, um, straightforward, respectful guy. And, you know, I kind of took to him. I thought, yeah, you know, he seems like a really nice, really nice guy. But he didn't have that edge to him that that got fans on board. And you had this situation with him and Demetrius, who has suffered with exactly the same problem himself uh, when he's fought in, you know, fight, fighting in the UFC. You had these two world-class competitors and neither one of them massively moved the needle at the time other than with the ultra hardcores who respected their skills. So now, now since then he's moved on and he's, he's taken on this persona, the, you know, King of cringe and all this sort of stuff. And he does so well with it. I, I, I love it. It works a treat. And he, I, I think, I think that there's room in the sport for him. I definitely think we need him back and who knows? I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a, I'd say there was a better than average chance. We're going to see him back in a cage in 2022 one fight i did want to talk to you about not a title fight sandy but it's too good to not talk about it and i tweeted out as soon as i saw the announcement or a few hours after i saw the announcement i tweeted it saying alexa show me what perfect mma matchmaking looks like and underneath i said alexa and it was a picture of Derek lewis versus ty to and that fight has been booked it is going to be an absolute banger and I cannot wait. That is going to be absolutely huge. And, you know, we talked about it, I think, on one of the previous shows. We said that's the sort of matchup we would like to see. I don't know whether they, you know, whether they'll get that one booked. They've booked it. It's happening. And I could not be happier. You want to see two big dudes just swanging and banging in the middle of the octagon. That's what you're going to get. That's going to be dynamite, that one. I can't wait. Absolutely. I mean, talking about a fan favorite fight, you know someone's getting knocked out for sure. Stylistically, for Derek Lewis, he knows he's going to be taking on someone in Tai Tuivasa that's not going to bother take, you know, throwing any takedown attempts whatsoever. There's no wrestling. It's going to be swang and bang all day long. Um, and it's either going to be uh, another cup thrown into the crowd or there's going to be a shoey involved or maybe a bit of both, just given you know how they're both fan favorites. Interesting to note, it's in Houston. Obviously, Derek Lewis has fought there quite a few times in the past. Good to see him get a quick turnaround. It's obviously smart from the UFC's point of view to get a hometown favorite guy on that main card as well. And honestly, a massive, massive opportunity for Bam Bam. I mean, you get a win over Derek Lewis and you are kind of in the mix. You're maybe just one other win away from fighting for the title. I mean, there's a here's a guy that was, what, on a three-fight losing skid on the cusp of being cut by the UFC. He's figured it out. He's come back. He's on an incredible run now. He's knocking out opponents left, right, and center. And you know what, Simon? He could be a real dark horse to, at the very least, be competing for the UFC Heavyweight Championship at some point in 2022, just to, you know, given how the landscape may change after Ngannou fight's gone. But the one question I actually had for you, Simon, is, and this is going to kind of going back to the plethora of all the title fights that we've got, looking forward to over the next three months. Which situation do you think has the best chance of and still? And which situation do you think has the best chance of and new? Oh, okay. I think the best chance of and still, see, this is slightly cheating. Maybe I shouldn't pick this one, but if Volkanovsky fights, I think that's probably the best chance of and still because he's going to be dealing with a drop in quality in his opponent. Max Holloway, you know, without too, without retreading what we've just said, he was he was the next best guy by by a distance in the division. So Volkanovski should be a massive favourite 
he's also had a full training camp. Anybody he faces now is going to be a short notice uh, replacement. They're going to be at a massive disadvantage. So I would say that one is the biggest chance of Anne Steele. Biggest chance of Anne New is Peter Yan. It's got to be Peter Yan. I think the fight with Aljamain Sterling, Sterling started well in that fight. And I thought he looked good early. But the fight was definitely in Yan's favour when the fight got stopped due to that uh, egregious, ridiculous, I don't even know what he was thinking, illegal knee that uh, Yan threw. But Yan was in charge of the fight at that point. The, you know, the momentum had turned. Everything seemed to be heading in his direction. And then he made one catastrophic error and he loses the title. So I might have taken the low-hanging fruit there, Sandu, but I think that's probably where I would go. But I mean... I suppose, you know, there are there are other easy picks for 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 Anne still. Certainly I can think of one. So what what would be yours? Are you thinking along similar lines? Same, same over here, Simon. And I have to say, probably the the toughest one to pick, and I'm gonna use one of your phrases, tougher to pick than a broken nose, is probably the heavyweight championship. It's the fight that's coming up quickest. It's the it's the fight that's coming up in a matter of you know what days now. We're literally counting down the days to this fight. And it's because Nganu and Gan know each other so well. And it's also because I almost feel like Francis Nganu versus Cyril Gan is a matchup of arguably the, the most devastating knockout artist in UFC history, regardless of weight class. I mean, he is just a ferocious, devastating puncher. And then in Cyril Gan, Simon, you've got someone who I think is almost the epitome of the modern MMA heavyweight. He's light on his feet. He, he seems very well-rounded. He's obviously undefeated. He's well-conditioned. Right? And he's also got knockout power himself. And uh, the, the 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 narrative and the backstory, it, it's so hard to pick that fight. I mean, what do you think? Am I am I on the right I'm on the right page here in terms of that being the toughest one to 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 give a prediction for? I think so. I think, well, I don't know. I mean in, in... Everything you've said makes complete sense, but Francis Ngannou can flatline someone with one punch, and we have yet to really see Cyril Gunn get hit in the UFC. He is such a such a difficult, tricky guy to fight. His fighting style is unlike anybody that we've seen in that weight class. We've seen guys fight like that at middleweight and welterweight, but not at heavyweight. And it's really interesting how because he, he fights with his hands very low, very loose. He doesn't have his hands up, sort of almost traditional boxing style. And Garnu could just walk up and plant a right hand on him, and that could be game over. So we just don't know. We just do not know. And the other thing we don't know is how much respect has Cyril, uh, sorry, how much respect has Francis Ngannou got for Cyril Garn's power? They have sparred together. You know, has he been clipped with him? Has he got in the back of his mind a thought that, okay, you know, I need to mind my P's and Q's with this guy because he can he can bang. Because if Francis just walks straight in and gets clipped with something, then we you know that throws us into whole new territory as well. Because he we haven't seen him seriously rocked either. We've seen him manhandled and and out cardioed and beaten down by by Stepan Miocic, but in a straight out striking matchup, we've not really seen him. We haven't seen his chin overly tested. So. What if Cyril Garn's got power, you know, equal power to go with that technique and can clip him coming forward and all that weight of Cyril and Garn, all 260 pounds of him walking onto something and Cyril Garn's not, 
he's not a small heavyweight himself, is he? So I'm fascinated by this matchup. I think it's one of those where it could literally end in 10 seconds or it could go five rounds. It's one of those fights. You just do not know that it's all over the map in terms of potential outcomes. And the other one that's super close, even though we have a long-standing champion, I think the Adesanya-Robert Whittaker fight will be much more much more closely contested second time around as well. Whittaker is super intelligent as a fighter. He will have learned so much from that defeat. He's been away for a while. He will have been game planning this fight, this rematch, pretty much from you know the minute he set foot back home in Australia. And now he's got that fight. Now he's got the rematch. How will he look? How, how much of an improvement will we see? How much will he lean on his wrestling and his takedown ability, which he tends not to use that much in the octagon? He likes to stand and bang. He tried to stand and bang with Adesanya and got knocked out. So will we see a change in approach from him? I'm really looking forward to this. Everywhere you look, there's fascinating matchups, there's fascinating dynamics. We could have an all-out slugfest, barn burner at flyweight. We could have, you know, we've, we've got an incredible heavyweight matchup that could literally go in any direction. We've got a middleweight rematch that has so much on the line. We've got the bantamweight title fight with bad blood and an un, unsatisfactory ending. That's almost not a rematch. It's like a continuation of the first fight. Um, there's so much, there's so much good stuff coming down, you know, coming down the line. And we haven't even started yet, Sandu. We haven't even started our first live MMA event of 2022. And UFC wise, we've got one Saturday night. UFC fight night coming from Las Vegas. I think it's, is it uh, 46? UFC Vegas 46, I think it is. And it's an absolutely brilliant main event. Calvin Cater, Giga Chikadze. Either one of these two guys could potentially be fighting Alexander Volkanovsky for the title next. If one of them wins this cleanly enough and gets a quick turnaround, it's not out of the question that one of these guys could insert himself straight into the in, in into the equation. But we talk about how many good fights and good fighters there are at 145 pounds. And the matchmakers must just sit back and light a big old cigar when they're matchmaking in this division. Cause every single, every single fight, you can just chuck them in a hat, pick them out bingo style. And you've got dynamite on a, on a, on a fight card. And this one is going to be just superb. You've got Cater who for a while was described as being one of the best boxers, if not the best boxer in the UFC, Max Holloway had something to say about that last time they met. But he's still absolutely superb. He will come back better from that fight. And you've got Giga Chikadze, former kit boxer. He's looking better every time we see him. If he beats Calvin Cater, he's a contender. No doubt about it. I think this is his kind of prove-it fight. And if he gets through this one, we've got a brand new, dangerous, spectacular contender on our hands. Which way are you leaning with this, Sandu? And what, what's, your, what's your, your early, way too early in fight week take? on this matchup because it's one that's got me excited and it's only Monday. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we were talking earlier on about the plethora of featherweights that were throwing their name into the hat when Alexander Volkanovsky needed an opponent and still needs an opponent when Max Holloway dropped out of that one. Jigo Chikadze was one of those guys and I respect him for doing that. Obviously puts him and keeps him in the new cycle, makes makes sure that you know his name is relevant, especially with his fight coming up this weekend. I do feel as though he's maybe just you know one or two wins away from from competing for the title, in my opinion. And one of those two wins would be this weekend. I mean, if he can beat Calvin Qatar, you know Calvin's 
ranked at number five right now. I think Jukadze is at number eight. And essentially, if he beats Qatar, he'll probably swap places with him. Great. Now you're in the top five. Now I need you to see need to see you fight somebody within that top five. And then, yes, absolutely go fight for the title. The other thing is I've got a sneaky, suspicious feeling that the UFC will most likely announce Volkanovski's new opponent prior to Saturday's main event taking place. I feel like they'll want to have that locked up, ready to go. Maybe they'll announce at the broadcast, maybe in the coming days. But regardless of that fact, if Jigo Chikadze wins, he needs to go all out on that post by interview, go all out on that microphone and make sure that you know people know that this is the year that he will be competing for a title. He's on an insane win streak, Simon. I think it's nine fights in total, seven of those within the UFC. He wins this weekend. That'll be eight wins in a row, which is just phenomenal, regardless of what weight class you're in when you're competing in the UFC. For Calvin, I have to say, Simon, I'm a bit worried about him. I'm a bit worried about him for for a couple of different reasons. Number one, the last time we saw him compete was literally a year ago against Max Holloway. And boy, Holloway lit him up. I mean, it was just, a, a for the most part, a one-sided beating. And in many respects, I'm kind of glad that Calvin has taken, you know, 12 months off to kind of recoup, recover, work on some stuff. And maybe this is a Calvin K to 2.0 we're going to see this weekend. Unfortunately, he's coming up against an another incredibly talented striker. And Giga Chikadze, when he's on his A game, he could pretty much put on a beating on you very much to the ilk of what Max Holloway did a year ago. So unless Calvin Cater is coming in with you know a whole new bag of tricks and he's got a great game plan, which you'll need one to, to, to take on and defeat someone that is streaking, who's got a ton of momentum. I think there's more questions on Calvin Cater for this fight than there are for Giga Chikadze. I think we kind of know, listen, he's in his prime. He looks like the, 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 the finished article. He looks like he's ready. He's chomping at the bit. He's frothing at the mouth to be fighting for the title. And for Calvin Cater, this is a this is like a, a bounce back situation for him, Simon. He's looking to get back in the win column following his loss to Max Holloway last year. So which way am I leaning, Simon? I'm leaning towards Giga Chikadze, and I'm pretty sure he'll be uh, the bookie's favorite. I haven't seen the odds uh, so far this week, but absolutely massive stakes for Calvin Cater. Even though he's fighting someone that, due to the rankings, is behind him in the line, everyone respects Giga Chikadze and what he brings to the table. So if Calvin Cater can, can win this weekend, Simon, he's right back in the mix. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Giga Chikadze as well. You take a look at the man's form. It is insane. As you say, nine fights, nine wins, last seven in the UFC. But you take a look at that form in the UFC. His first four fights all went to decisions. The first two were splits, then a couple of unanimous, and then the, the, the TKO started to come. Jamie Simmons, Cub Swanson, Edson Barboza, all TKO finishes, all performance of the night bonuses. So it feels like, his upward trajectory, the curve is going that way. It's going upwards and he's getting better with each performance as the level of competition is going up. So it feels like he took his time to sort of find his, find his feet in the UFC. And now the man is surging. Calvin Cater, my big worry for him is the kicking game because Giga Chikadze and, and his kicking game is, is outstanding. To go in there with Edson Barbos and be trading kicks with someone like him, and to finish the man, that tells you just how good the man is with his kicking game. And against 
Calvin Cater, who is predominantly a boxer striker, you know, he, he'll strike with his hands rather than his feet. He's very technically sound in terms of the way he throws his punches, but we saw against against Max Holloway that that he got lit up. But I do think that he's going to have to learn to close the distance. He has to really make it a fight in a phone booth if he's going to win this fight. If he stays on the outside, he's going to get absolutely chewed up by kicks. Leg kicks are going to slow him down, hinder the movement, and then he'll get clipped with something upstairs. So I think for him, he's got to make this as dirty and as rough and as as unpleasant to watch as possible almost. He's just got to completely walk head-to-head, get him against the fence and just rough the man up. But Chikadze is a seasoned striker. He's got excellent footwork. That's going to be quite a task. I think, for me, Chikadze is a relatively clear clear favourite. But don't underestimate the New England cartel. You know, Tyson Chartier doing great work over there with that small but talented group of fighters out of the New England area. And they've had a year. You know, Cater's had a year to take stock, take time out and recover which I think was the right thing to do. I think you I think you said similar as well. Um, but also he's had time to improve. He's had time to work on things. He's had time to implement new wrinkles to his game. So I'm interested to see how different Calvin Cater looks in terms of his fighting style when he gets into the cage. Because I think if he goes in and fights the way that we're used to seeing him, I think he's probably going to get beat. He needs to bring something new to the table. You know, you mentioned Calvin Cater 2.0. We need that if he's going to beat Giga Chikadze this weekend. But the question is, if one of these guys win. Do you foresee a situation where either one of these guys could be in a number one contender fight later this year? Or I think you said that probably Jakadzi might need two more wins. And Or is that including two, this one this weekend? Including this one. I, I feel like yeah. the winner should be in a title eliminator following this weekend. I think Calvin Cater, will, you know, if he, if he is to beat Chikadze, that's a statement in its own right, just given the streak that Chikadze is on. And if Chikadze can beat Cater, you know, just according to the rankings, he's just beating a guy that's three places ahead of him. He'll then break into the top five and then set himself up for a title eliminator. I don't think that either guy can win this weekend and then go right into a title fight. I kind of feel like the title picture is going to be pretty much set now. For the next six to nine months anyway if volkanovsky is successful and we assume it's going to be the korean zombie then the next defense for him will be another bout against max holloway and so whoever wins this weekend you're probably going to want to try and fight again maybe in the summer and if you're successful then then see if you can get a title shot perhaps um at the at the end of the year but it feels like featherweight's going to be booked and you know the roadmap is there quite nicely for the next six to nine months at least yeah, yeah. I think, you know, there's so much road ahead of us in 2022. Getting a win under your belt early doors really does set you up nicely for the year. You know, I know most fighters are aiming to get three fights in within the calendar year. But if you're fighting within the first couple of shows of the year, it's completely possible that you can squeeze four fights in. And if you're an absolute crazy man like Kevin Holland, um, you can probably do five or six, but um, I'm looking forward to this this fight night. It's going to be it's a good one to start off. I'm not 100 percent sure he's on the call this weekend, but there's some there's some interesting names further down the card that are going to learn. There's, there's some there's some debutants who are going to need some pronunciation lessons. Said Yakub Kahramanov is just one of them that I'm probably just butchered. He's taken on Brian Kelleher, so there's. There are one or two others on that fight card as well. But Sandy, just quickly looking at that fight card and before we wrap up, what else on that on that main card sort of leaps out as one that you've 
sort of put a pin next to as one you need to keep a keep an eye out for on fight night. I think the co-main event, Simon, like Caitlin Chukagian, she had her chance to fight Valentina Shevchenko for, for the flyweight championship. And then she kind of alternated wins and losses. But then all of a sudden, she's now on a bit of a streak. Jennifer Meyer just beat Jessica I not too long ago. And so she's looking to, you know, get some momentum. And for Shevchenko, I feel like you want fresh meat. You want some of these names that you haven't had a chance to defend your title against to actually put on a bit of a win streak. So they probably put that in the co-main event slot to see if one or the other can can win and then and then you know progress and try and build some momentum for Chikagian. This will be if she wins this weekend, so that's three in a row, and she could perhaps once again be in a situation where she she'll be in a, in a title eliminator. Not that I'm picking any of these girls to you know be competitive at the very least to or even try and you know win against Shevchenko because she's just like head and shoulders above the rest. But the name of the game is to continuously you know, churn out contenders for your champions. And and those are the fights that I look forward to because ultimately that's the one that, or those are the ones that the UFC are looking uh, to promote the winner of moving down the road. Yeah, Caitlin Shikagian, I mean, she she's just so consistent. You know, she yeah. only loses, she only loses against world championship caliber opposition. And yeah. uh, she's just so good over over that, that sort of three round duration of getting decision wins and, you know, interesting to see how she goes. The only other fight I'd, I'd throw in there is the flyweight fight that precedes it. Brandon Royval versus Rogerio Bonterin, uh, number five at flyweight versus number seven. That is an important fight for the division. I think whoever wins that is going to find themselves either in a number one contender fight or maybe one or two fights away from a potential title fight. That flyweight division has got the potential to throw up some absolutely brilliant fights. That one will be a lot of fun to watch on Saturday night as well. Sandu, I think that probably pretty much wraps us up for our first fight preview episode of 2022. We're easing our way in with a fight night card, but I think there's going to be plenty to look back on when we review things on next week's show. But uh, yeah, looking forward to settling in and uh, checking out some live fights again this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't wait. My first shift for BT Sport will be this weekend, kicking things off with the UFC. And for anyone that wants to support us and support the show, the best place to do that is the BritPackMMA.com. That's the BritPackMMA.com. From there, you can find both myself and Simon on social media, as well as the show handle on Twitter. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for those of you that do listen to us on the Apple Podcast platform, do us a favor right now, literally, as the show is wrapping up, Take 30 seconds of your valuable time and just rate and review us. And if you don't want to drop a review, you can leave a question or a comment, uh, a segment or something that you'd like us to address on the show. We'd be more than happy to do that because when you do that, when you rate and review on the Apple podcast platform, that's how shows get found by a new audience. That's how Apple promotes new shows. So it really is a, a really simple, easy, and quick way uh, for you to lend us some support. So if you can do that, that'll be much appreciated. Yeah, something I discovered this week. Um, looks like you can now rate podcasts on Spotify as well. I don't think there's a review function, but it looks like there's a there's a star rating facility now on Spotify. At least it was on my mobile app when I was looking at it, I think. So um, if you listen on Spotify, and I'll admit I, I tend to listen to most of my audio stuff, on Spotify these days, dead easy. Just click on the uh, the profile. It's, it's actually at the top of the profile page, just above where it lists the episodes. Star rating. Click that and uh, give us a give us a nice rating and uh, 
eventually we'll we'll get enough of those that will start getting start getting listed somewhere so um yeah it all helps every little helps and uh as you know the show is going to be uh kicking up a gear or two in the coming weeks that is a promise we are we, we, we have some plans so uh yeah enjoy enjoy the fights this weekend it's so good to uh to have fights back we have loads going on loads going on in january and uh it's going to be really good to go through it all with you and uh, share this incredible sport and our passion for it it's gonna be a lot of fun enjoy the fights this weekend everyone and we'll speak to you 